through in your Bible. I do apologize for the roughness of my voice. I'm hoping and praying it'll clear up a little bit. But if God gets more glory out of it being a whisper, then so be it. Amen. First John chapter 2. All right, First John chapter 2. Let's all stand our feet in honor of God's word. First John chapter 2. Let me read one verse before we go there. If we say that we have no sin, are you listening? Are you listening? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. With the help of God, I want to preach on meet my attorney. His name is Jesus. Amen. Let's go to the throne of grace. Hey, let me stop and say this. I appreciate the men that talked this morning in a moment's notice in different places. Uh, didn't give me any notice whatsoever. And I do appreciate that so very, very much. Eddie leads to the throne of grace. Oh, yes. Amen. You be seated. If you've ever been a Christian for any length of time, you know that there's a frustrating part of our Christianity, and that is dealing with ourselves. And uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the finest Christians that ever walked, said this. Romans 7, 14. For we know that sin, that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that will which is good, how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I wouldn't, I do not, but the evil I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth me. I find in law that when I do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God for after the inward man. Paul just simply said, 
you know, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I struggle with this sin that I find. The Bible says we all sin and come short of the glory of God. Now, don't you listen to me very, very carefully. Sin's like a thief. It snatches our character, our convictions, our commitment to Christ. Selfishness quelches our serenity and joy. Bitterness blisters our attitude and burdens our relationships with family and friends. Pride poisons our teachability. Are you listening? Are you listening? I need you to listen very carefully this morning. Are you listening? Are you listening? Thanks, strain every bit that's in me to, to preach this morning, then you can give me time listening, all right? Some are talking, not listening. I'm up here just gutting everything I can out, not being ugly, but uh, need you to listen. Pride poisons our teachability and accountability with others. Greed creates a grasping spirit that places more importance on things than on God. Rebellion. You listen, rebellion robs us. God's blessings and rewards us as we the, and waste opportunity to serve Him. R.G. Lee spoke and said this, Sin is as powerful as an opiate in the wheel. Sin is powerful as a frenzy in the imagination. Sin is powerful as a poison in the heart. Sin is powerful as madness in the brain. Sin is powerful as a desert breath that drinks up all the spiritual dew. Sin is powerful as the sum of all terror. Paul wrote this epistle to remind us the magnitude of sin not dealt with in our lives and the consequences. And be sure of this. Will you deal with sin or not? There's always, Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's a reaping day for sin if it's not dealt with. So John comes to us and he says, now little children, I love that. He's talking as a father would his children. He said, now little children, listen up, pay attention, little children. He said, these things I'll write to you that you sin not. First of all, there's an aim and admonition. Number one, aim and admonition. Paul is writing this epistle to encourage us not to sin. <coughs> and um, now, how can we do that? How can we? He's encouraging us. I'm writing to you that you sin not. So let me give you about seven, eight things. I'm just going to give them to you because I've got to get to second point and third point before I run out of breath, okay? First of all, number eight, sin needs to be recognized. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've got to get honest with God about our sin. Covering it up. Blaming someone else never does anything. If we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess means to agree with God about our sinfulness. Be steadfastness of heart. Psalm 57, 7, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. And I will sing, get praised. What fixed means to be prepared, stable, established. Number C, Scripture meditation. Psalms 119.11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word hid means to hide it in our hearts. Number D, supplication and prayer. Hebrews 4.16 Let us boldly come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy Find grace to help in time of need. God gives grace. Hallelujah. God gives grace. But I tell you, there'll be times that you just need a little more grace than others, and God gives grace. When the three Hebrew children in that fire furnace, man, they needed something from God, and He showed it. Daniel in the diet lines, God shows up. Number E, a submission to the will of God. James 4, 17, Submit yourselves, therefore to God resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Number F, shun the wrong crowd. Be not deceived, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Need to shun the wrong crowd. God help you if you are the wrong crowd. God help you if you are the wrong crowd people need to stay away from. I say, born again believer, you shouldn't be the wrong crowd. So God shun the wrong crowd. God help us if we are the wrong crowd. Amen? All right, well, that is good preaching, if I had to say so. Surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 5, 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, uh, <coughs> Dwight L. Moody asked one time in the class, he said, how do I get the air out of this glass? Someone said, well, you just suck there out. He said, no, so that was create a vacuum, and shatter it. And then he took, and uh, he got a pitcher, started pouring water in it, till he filled it plumb full of water to the top. He said, now, air's out of the glass. Exactly what God wants us to do. Wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost to God. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And number eight, stay in the battle. Praise God. Uh, we, we're too late in the game to be quitting and up and down, wishing what? Stay in the fight, amen? It's a fight we're standing in. And uh, uh, Demas got in trouble. Are you listening? Demas got in trouble because he stopped serving the Lord. If you read the accounts, Demas is mentioned three times in the Word of God. First time, he's Paul's fellow laborer. Second time, he's just Demas. Third time, 
He hath forsaken me, loving this present evil world. So keep serving. Well, I appreciate those that served yesterday and went out on a bus and all the all the labor that's went into that uh, over the last couple of weeks and the visiting that's been done. Praise God. No wonder the devil's attacking us with sickness. If I was the devil, I'd do the same thing. Amen. And so there's just this idea that, boy, it loads you stainified. And uh, so we need to, that's the aim in admonition. Number two, here's where I really want to get to. We have an advocate, my little children. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But what are we supposed to do? What happens if we do sin? And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The struggle with our own fleshly nature, somewhere along the line will fail because we all sin and come short of the glory of God. But God has a solution for us. Hallelujah. When we fail, He said, you've got an advocate. You've got an attorney to help you. He's righteous and perfect and able to plead our case. Any courtroom will tell you, any courtroom will tell you this. The worst thing can happen is for you doing the speaking and not your attorney. As a matter of fact, I always tell you, it's a bad play. You don't need to be put on the stand. Amen. That your attorney represents you and do the talking for you. Well, I've got an attorney. I'd like to introduce him this morning to you. His name is Jesus. Now, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, let me introduce you to him as a Savior. He loves you. He died for you. And he'll, he, he, literally, he literally died for you to save you. And he'll save you now. If you don't know Christ, as your, Jesus Christ is your Savior. He'll save you. Amen. I'm glad I got a Savior. But I got more than a Savior. He didn't just save me to take me to heaven. He didn't just save me to give me eternal life. Praise God. He is a Savior that comes on alongside of me. That's what the word advocate means. Alongside of. While I'm making this journey, while I'm making this journey, He's coming alongside of me and helping me. Now, He has an advantage I don't have. He represents God and represents me. My, isn't that wonderful? He, he, he's an advocate that knows God. To, he knows the judge. He knows the judge on a personal basis. And he knows me. He could come. And be, the, Job said, he, he used the term, if I only had a daysman. A daysman was one that could take the hand of God and hand them in and bring them together. He said, if I just had a daysman. And so we find the advocate represents God 
and also man. Not only was he God, but he became man. He understands all there is to understand about God. He understands all there needs to understand about man. That's the reason when you go to God and say, nobody understands me, you're lying. He does. Nobody don't understand what I'm going through. Oh yes, there is someone that understands you fully. I mean, there's not anything, there's not anything that he does not understand. He knows man and he knows God. Isn't that something? Will you go in the courtroom with him? He knows the, the judge a hundred percent. He knows the man a hundred percent. The word advocates one called alongside to assist, to help, to defend, to intercede on behalf of another, to give counsel. An advocate counsels, coaches, champions the cause of another in court. The advocate is going to lend his presence to his, to his friend. An advocate was also helping a situation with which a man by himself could not cope alone. Why, I love that. I love that. The Lord is our friend too. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. He's also, the, the word advocate means comforter. It's the same comforter as the word Holy Spirit is the comforter. So I praise God we've got an advocate. Isn't it a blessed reality that when we sin, and by the way, if we say we have not sinned, we what? Lie. Can I help you? You'll not stand before God and blame anybody else for your sin. You won't make excuses. You won't sidestep it. You'll face him head on with it. I'd rather head on, I'd rather face it now than to face him with it later. But notice, why do we need an advocate? Why do we need? Well, we cause a complaint being leveled. Notice Revelation 12 10. <coughs> now, a light voice in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before the God. Day and night. Do you understand this morning? We got an accuser. He goes before God. He said, did you hear what they said this week? Did you hear what they, did you see what they done? I, 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 I submit something to you. I don't think the devil has to lie much on us. Now he's a liar and the father of it. Because the truth of the matter is, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. He's right there to run to God and say, listen, did you, help, did you, see, did you hear that word that slipped? Hey, did you see him blow? Did you, did you see that rebellion in that young person? 
He goes to the accuser of the brethren. So God takes the case. Christ is our solution for our sinfulness. Satan's on the other side. God, he's guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I heard him. I seen him. He's guilty. Jesus steps up, says, Father, I'll take the case because I'm the answer. John 3, 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Our advocate is not an angel or an assistant. Are you listening? Our advocate is not an angel or assistant. It's a son of God himself. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercessions for us. And he goes to Jesus. Jesus steps as our advocate. And he says, he's guilty, yes. Yes. Yes, Father. He is. Ain't but one problem. Ain't but one problem. What I do with that paper? Ain't but one problem. He comes to us and he says, "I'd like, I'd like you to see his sin." I've got them all numbered out for you. And Jesus said, that's true. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, that's where sins are now. He come to every one of us. Why don't we get, why don't we junk our pride, get honest with God? Truth is, he come to all of us, all this right here. So if I just look, just, just look what that rascal's been doing. God, Jesus said, yep, it's true. Said my precious blood makes him just like that. I say amen. If I could shout this morning, I would. I tell you, I praise his holy name for the fact I've got an advocate. A distressed father sat at the bedside of his comatose son. He got hurt playing basketball. Doctors worked frantically to save him, but the outcome was uncertain. And as their families waited, finally a father left along with a pastor said, Will God kill my son? To punish my sin. Are you listening? Will God kill my son to punish my sin? No, said the pastor. The Lord's not going to punish your son for your sins. He couldn't. Because he's already punished his son for your sins. Amen. 
first aim and admonition. My little children. My little children. So I don't want you to sin. Then he comes and says, but if you do, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Then he said this, he is a propitiation, an atonement of Christ. He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but all for the sins of the whole world. First John 4, 10, Herein is love, not that we love God, but He loved us, and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation has the idea of atonement. The Bible says, God's angry with sin. We don't like to talk about that, but He is. And sin's got a penalty. The wages of sin is death. But God said, His propitiation, He paid our sin debt. He appeased the anger of the Father. This morning, if you think God... Is that part of the big stick ready to clob you over the head? No. No. Because Jesus died for your sins. That's propitiation. One night, one winter night, in 1935, Fiorello LaGuardia, LaGuardia, mayor of New York City, he showed up at night court in the poorest ward of the city. He dismissed, dismissed a judge for the night and took over the bench. That night a tattered old woman charged with stealing the loaf of bread was brought before him. She defended herself by saying, my daughter's husband has deserted her. She is sick and her children are starving. The storekeeper refused to drop, drop the charges, saying, it's a bad neighborhood, Your Honor, and she's got to be punished and to teach other people a lesson. The guardian sighed and he turned to the woman and said, Well, ma'am, I've got to punish you. The law's clear. Makes no exception. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. However, while he's pronouncing judgment, a guardian reached in his pocket, got $10, took his hat, and throwed it in the hat. Said they'll pay her fine. I furthermore, I furthermore, I'm going to find everyone in this courtroom, 50 cent a person, for living in a town where a woman has to steal bread so she can feed her grandchildren. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. New York newspaper reported that night she lived with $47.50. And he made the storekeeper be the one to go around and collect the money. One red-faced storekeeper, 70 petty criminals, 
and a few New York policemen. The act of the judge paying for the price of this woman's crime is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. Oh my goodness, may we recognize. Lord Jesus is a, the Lord Jesus Christ is our propitiation for our sins, not for ours. For the whole world's only only problem is they won't put their trust and faith in him and believe him. Second Peter three nine the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing <coughs> that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word propitiation carries another meaning. It has reference to the mercy seat. Once a year, every Jewish family would take a lamb. They would put that lamb up and care for it. At a certain date, they would take that lamb to the high priest. He would cut his throat and draw the blood into a basin. The high priest would take that blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And for one year, one year, that family's sins were forgiven because of the innocent life of the lamb. And that was done year after year after year until John said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taken away the sins of the world. When the perfect lamb came, amen, he went in and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat and he sat down. The first time, the first time in all this order that anyone sat down. Why? Because it's once and for eternity finished work of Calvary. Oh, praise his name. Hebrews 1, through who be the brightness of his glory and all the, and the express image of his person, pulled in all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat, <coughs> sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 10, 12. By this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins of us, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus, it's our propitiation, meaning he took his blood and put it on the mercy seat. I, I, I tell you what's going to bless your heart. I had blessed my heart, whether it blesses you or not. When he went in, when he went in, that mason put that blood on the mercy seat. That little boy, I could go back to his church on his mind. He had you on his mind. Has all on his mind. He said, My little children, don't you sin? He said, Don't you sin? 
what we need to do. And he comes short of the glory of God. That same blood that saved you, I'm an eternity in hell. He said that same blood will be your propitiation. Will be your advocate. Oh, I'm telling you, you, you just don't get no better than that. John 14, 16, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father by me. Law of God demands death for sin. For all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Either you die for your sins or someone else dies for you. You always, there's always, are you listening? There's always a prize for sin. I, I've heard this a couple times. People have this attitude. They ain't hurting nobody, but they ain't affecting nobody but me. Oh, oh, it's affecting a lot of people. And sin will always have a payday. Always. Always. I, I mean, it's just no exception. Not for me or for you. We, we, don't, we don't get a st- your title, your status, and none of that. Sin has a payday. I heard this week, one of, the, one of the wealthiest men, one of the wealthiest men in Hickory, very, very wealthy men, very, very wealthy. And uh, he died just, just so, so young. And, and, and I heard, heard this week, and uh, the conditions where he died was terrible. And I thought, sins got a payday. I said, we said, work at Knob Creek. And uh, me and my name, Harvey, it, we was getting off of the 4th of July. And here's what he said. We all standing around there about to. Fellas talking. And here's what he said. He said, I'm going to go get my girlfriend. And we're going to go and party all weekend. Then on Monday, I'm going to get things right with my wife. And I'm going to go into rehab. And I'm going to do all of that. And I'm going to straighten. He said, I got to straighten my life up. I remember looking at him, I said, well, Harvey, what if God doesn't let you make it to Monday? Oh, I'll make it to Monday. That's on a Friday. That night in the midst of partying, that man's heart exploded into a thousand pieces. He met God in that condition. Not by all means in eternity in hell. See, folks, this is serious business. Sin's a serious business. William Cowper wrote, There's a found field with blood. People don't know it, but Cowper suffered severe bouts of depression in his life, even attempted suicide. He's admitted repeatedly in the insane asylums. But one day he found a Bible on a bench. Picked it up and read Romans 3.25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood 
to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Trust in Jesus as his Savior. And we homage, pen the words, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Boy, the burden of his heart immediately rolled away. And my, what it, his strength, he still struggled with a lot of the things he had. But he always said, I never struggled alone. The grace of God helped me. Thank God, he said, I've got an advocate. He's our attorney. May I say this morning, he's yours if you're saved. If you're not saved, you can be. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be. But this morning, may we be reminded that when we do sin, now we've got to get honest. I want to tell you the most miserable people that there is. They're angry. They're mad. Because they're always blaming someone else and never taking responsibility. When we see him, we just need to get honest. Because one day you will be honest with God. Be honest with God. My little children, I like that. It's almost like he said, Hey, youngins, gather around you. Hey, youngins, gather around here. He said, I don't want you to sin now. Are you listening? I don't want you to sin. But if you do, praise God, but if you do, we have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's all stand to our feet. If your head bowed and every eye closed, here this morning, do you need to do business with God? Do you need an advocate?